The following podcast is a production of The Network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. on the network, one of many amazing podcasts found at BICBP-radio.com. I am one of your hosts, Chris Chavez, joined as always by Sean Fritz. Sean, how are you, sir? Sean Fritz is still coronavirus-free, even after watching Contagion. Um, he's Things are looking bleak, however, because he's going to North New Jersey in a week and a half. Well, it's nice knowing you. It's funny It's funny you reference Contagion. We did Contagion last episode, obviously. Uh, but yes, since then, since the last episode and since we recorded it, this coronavirus thing seems to be kind of mirroring that movie, doesn't it? Yeah. And uh, in the movie world, Chris, that's called a callback. <laughs> and you can only do a callback if you reference it earlier on. Exactly. Uh, and the movie's calling, it's like reality's calling back to the movie itself as well. Um, as fast as this stuff's spreading, Weren't you at weren't you at a con this past weekend? I was. I was at Galaxy Con Richmond. Uh, what was the what, what was the turnout like? It was really solid. Uh, didn't didn't use a drop of Purell. I saw what? I I'm, come on, I'm a man. Uh, oh, here we go. <laughs> I saw. Here we go. Uh, I talked to. So I was there with my Power Rangers in cyberspace co-host uh, Christian Ingram. He volunteered for Galaxy Con. He was a, a handler for Tom Welling of super or super, uh, supernatural no uh smallville yeah and he was uh there was a lot of fist bumps instead of handshakes going on um i do have to tell you there was a there was a story that someone told me i'll try to give it give you the abridged version um related to one william shatner and i think it removes every negative thought and story that i've ever heard of william shatner and it brings him back to at least level if not better so I will indulge you with a story. Hopefully it's brief. Okay. Uh, one of the con goers uh, was, a, he volunteered and then you get a badge for the rest of the time that you're not volunteering. One of his friends had made a, an art print for William Shatner. He had drawn it and whatever. So he said, can you give this to William Shatner as a gift because you have a meet and greet with him or you ha you're going to go get something signed for him or whatever? Sure. Not a problem. I'll, I'll see what I can do. So he goes to, he gets to the front of the line to have to have William Shatner sign whatever. He says to him, I have a gift. I'd like to give it to you if that's okay. So the Shat leans in. The Shat. The Shat. The Shat. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he leans in real close, turns his head a little bit so that other people can't see or hear him. He says, it's not the coronavirus, is it? <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing, dude. I think that is like uh, ever longingly or whatever the word is uh forever redeeming 
of anything negative that I may have or will hear in the future of William Shatner. That's so good, dude. That's so good. It's crazy, though. This this thing really looks to be maybe making an impact on the world of pop culture. Um, because even ECC this past weekend canceled. Yeah, uh, I was surprised to hear that. ECCC, Emerald City Comic Con out in Seattle, canceled completely. Uh, and I follow a lot of different artists and writers on Twitter, and a lot of them are talking about like there's no refund for booths. I don't think. I think these guys are just waiting because it's gonna. It's not that it's canceled; it's being postponed. Yeah. So it's kind of on hold. So all of these people who are expecting to make money back on the money they spent on their booth for the weekend are now out of money. Uh, if they spent money on hotels and travel to get there, are a lot of those places those are unrefundable. Travel um, is actually. Uh, because I fly a lot, I keep up on this stuff. Uh, airlines are, if you booked your flight, uh, if you're taking a flight through March 31, you can cancel your flight or and get either a voucher, a travel voucher, or just cancel it outright with no fees. Really? Yeah, which is something they should do all the time. But what do yeah. I know? I'm just a traveler. <laughs> how have you been so when you were traveling around you were hitting these cons what's uh where was galaxy Con? was that in town or did you have to travel out it was in richmond so i had to go up there to where christian lives and i stayed at my favorite hotel christian's house yeah that's the best yeah best rates in town yeah my favorite f word free exactly um so yeah, you're going to have to let us know next time what these airports are looking like cuz I'm hearing they're starting to get skimpy. That you can get flights to places that are usually a lot more expensive at uh, at a really cheap rate right now. Uh which is weird because it's like they're trying to promote like trying to get people to go out and and, and travel um which is probably not a good idea if there's this kind of airborne uh monstrosity just kind of lingering. Well, a lot of the people uh, a lot of the Big acts like Trent Reznor and um, Atticus Ross, yeah, pulled out of South by Southwest as well. Yeah, they ended up canceling that too, didn't they? I don't know if they canceled it, but it's going to be pretty boring and light compared to from what Oof. I've heard from years past. Uh, it is. It's weird, dude. Like I went to Real Big Fish this past week. Went to go see them. They came around with a couple other bands, um, and it was tight. The room was tight. There was a lot of sweat. And saliva flying around in that room. Um, it's It makes you think, man, especially after we finished watching Contagion. Every single thing I see now, I see people walking around and watching what they're doing with their hands and watching sneezes. I'm watching little kids like snivel on their arms and I'm thinking, oh, God. That kid's a what, goner. What's in the air, dude? <laughs> what's in the air? It's not good. I think the question um, is what isn't in the air now. Yeah, oh, it's 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 crazy, dude. It's it's interesting. We'll see what happens in a couple of weeks. We'll we'll come back. We're gonna have a coronavirus update on this episode from now on until it's uh, until one of us is gone or uh, it's gone, right? Well, and speaking uh, to the uh, the lesser informed crowd, <laughs> there's um, uh, the Corona bottling company or the Corona beer company or whatever they are oh, took yeah. a what a 48% hit on their stock because people that is can, crazy. people can't tell the difference between beer and <laughs> illness you don't bottle i mean well until we can figure out where this thing came from you don't bottle sickness yeah dude i don't know i, I saw if, that headline and i was like of course of course dude of course i wonder if disturbs album sickness has gone up in sales 
in the last or two maybe months. not maybe people aren't touching it because they think there's some sort of tainted you know it's like the old Cheech and Chong record it. that came out yeah. with the uh, rolling papers does this one come with a vial of uh, <laughs> like a, like one of those um like uh, screaming cricket uh, <laughs> like medical injection injection devices you know those right? fancy tv ones you crack it open and a spritz of coronavirus <laughs> shoots into your face. It's like anthra- opening a, um, a, a an envelope with am- anthrax. Oh god! It just it opens. You're just infected. You're like exactly. you have to be down with the sickness now, dude. It's it's crazy. It's depressing. Speaking of depressing, dude, uh, you're bringing the movie today. Uh, the movie we watched for this week's episode. Um, I don't know. Yeah, this I'm gonna is- let you take it away, man. This is you. What what movie are, are we watching this week? So I decided that it would be a good idea to watch the Never Ending Story. Uh, not to be confused with the song that doesn't end from Lamb Chop's play along from my childhood, <laughs> uh, which you're welcome if you're listening because you are now singing that stupid ass song nonstop. And then it'll come back later in the middle of the work day. Yeah, I hope I can hope I can be so annoying. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, today's movie is from 1984, the German novel adaptation, The Never Ending Story. What is the secret of this enchanted book? What wonders are hidden within its pages? What magical spell does it cast on all who read it? What is the secret of the never-ending story? But that's impossible! Enter a world where a young boy's imagination becomes a vivid reality. The world of Atreyu and Artax, the Rockbiter, and a good and kind gnome. A world that is vast and eternal, treacherous and dazzling, unforgettable and free. For anyone who's ever made a wish believed in a fantasy or had a dream this is the never-ending story the never-ending story man um do you remember seeing this because i do i remember seeing it as a kid i think maybe i saw it once twice maybe three times through um but that was it i've not seen it since uh yesterday when i watched it right before recording today yeah. Uh, so when I was a kid, I went to my mom and dad both worked during the day, <clears throat> like most parents do. And I went to a friend's house all day, every, you know, except for the school day. We I went there over the summer and, and every basically every weekday. And there, um, Mike, uh, he's not listening, uh, probably. Uh, he he had he's like, yes, three, I am. Yeah, yeah. If you are, Mike. <laughs> awesome uh yeah. he he had three younger sisters we were the same age and his sisters were all and this is all up to like between I, the time i was maybe seven to six to 13 maybe six to 12 mm-hmm. and so we would we had to entertain ourselves because there were four of us for them and one of me and some neighbor they were in a neighborhood i didn't live in a neighborhood or a development as a kid but we would watch movies, never ending story. We would, uh, the second one, I don't think the third one was out at the time, but I remember 
watching this movie a ton. It was on VHS at the time, Mm -hmm. obviously. And we just watched it. So I knew about it. And and yeah. and I told E, I said, I'm going to watch The NeverEnding Story to talk about with Chris because we're both adults. That's how I end a lot of my sentences because we're adults. <laughs> it's like justification for something. And it, you don't have yeah. to justify anymore. It's okay. We're yeah. allowed to talk about this stuff. Hey, hey we're all adults here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I'm going to watch this movie. And she's like, oh, I've never seen that. I'm like, what is wrong with you? What? She's my age and she's never, she had, I mean, I'm not going to get into her story, but safe to say that, um, she didn't spend her, her summers in America. So, okay. So maybe that's why uh, I don't know. Or Germany apparently, because, uh, this was released in Germany first, right? Before it was released here. Well, she's Polish. So Ah, she, it's right next to it. So you would think just through attrition, but yeah. So you watched it with her, huh? No, no. She. Oh, oh no, no, no. No, but I, I was telling her all about it. Oh, and how man. It's, how it's... Well, don't want to be a fly anything, on the yeah. wall. To be a fly on the wall as you're trying to explain to her this movie, which to a child would be fine, but to try to explain it to an adult, an adult explaining it to another adult. Did you go in depth? Did you get into the characters and all that stuff? Here's what I told her. I said, this is like all the Star Wars rejects. <laughs> <laughs> that live in Fantasia, the uh, and and they're like a Star Wars rejects the the puppets and the and the and the whatever crossed with Fraggle Rock. <laughs> yes, exactly. Basically, like, here's what she said: I don't know what any of those things are. Throw in an Oompa Loompa. She said, I don't know what any of those things are. I said, Well, I'm sorry. We, That's amazing. Well, and we had watched every movie we've watched. I've watched with her up until this one. The only one she's seen is Office Space. Uh, we're, okay. We're, we're now watching the Star Wars movies in release wow. order because she's never seen those. Um, her neighbor uh, at her apartment, um, and this will make sense in a second, her neighbor who is 47 has never seen it. And she's like, oh, I've wanted to see that forever. It's like you have an 18-year-old and a 22-year-old child. How have you never watched this? Wow. Here's why. She was Mormon until about 10 years ago. Yeah, that happens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, never ending story. I mean, I think for me, I was watching this when I was like nine. I think mm-hmm. it was a couple of years. It was a few years after it had already been out. It was on VHS. Uh, I was nine or ten, and like I said, I watched it a few times. And then it had always been a part of my household because I have three younger brothers. So each of them was always watching it at some point. But I never sat down and watched the whole thing. I'd pass the room and see a certain scene, you know, uh, this and that. But never really sat down and watched it, like I said, until yesterday. And, yeah, it's going to be an interesting conversation, dude. Um, You just want to get right into it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, One item of note, this is not a product of Germany. This is a product of West Germany. Yes. Which is the the liberated version of Germany. That's right. That's right. For those kids at home that don't have a clue, because I found out recently that, um, and I don't know how how far this goes and how deep in other schools, but uh, I work with a couple of, you know, 20, between 23 and 24, 25 year old kids. Uh, It's funny. I say kids. It's horrible, right? Um, anyway, I found out though, when they're in school, like they learn history the way we did, you know, civil war, you know, all of this stuff up to a certain point. And when they come into like more modern history, 
they barely touch on anything. It's just ba- they basically put on the Billy Joel song, uh, uh-huh. "We yep. Didn't Start the Fire," and they're mm-hmm. just like, "Learn these lyrics," and that's basically what happened in the eighties, seventies, and eighties. Like, did they say then, what's the deal? What what happened in the sewers? Why was there trouble in the sewers? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and 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 they're like, "Well, if you have not watched Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, then go and check that out." It's on Netflix. But, but dude, so I'm so I'm talking to the kids that may not know. Uh, Germany was split in two at one point, right after World War II. This happened. They put a wall straight down the middle of the country that was East and West Germany. And as Sean's referencing, this film was made on the Western side, the liberated side of of the country. Yeah, ironically, um, no different than today, the non-Russian side, the one that was allowed to have creative thoughts. And if you ask me, dude, I, got, I have to say, watching this as an adult, um, I could tell. <laughs> oh my! You can tell. So let's get into acting and actors, bro. Let's. This is your film. Let's take. Let's go at it. So the film stars an interesting cast of characters. Uh, we have uh, the dad, played by Gerald McRaney. He basically is playing Major Dad. I was going to say Major Dad. Yeah, he's playing Major Dad before Major Dad. Was that a 90s show? or No, that was 80s show or 90s show. I think it was late 80s, early 90s. Uh, let's find out here real quick. He was Mr. Bucks, and he was widowed. There's a relevance to that. Um, In the film. That Yeah, that's part yes, of the story sorry, here. Yeah. So Major Dad, uh, according to Wiki, says it started September 89 to May 93. So, so yeah. yeah, way after this film. Five years, but yeah. But no, no, no change in character. You're right. This is just yeah. Major Dad. He just had a little bit more hair. Hey, so your your mom died. Uh, get over it. Stop stop living in a fantasy world. He, he was Keep very your feet much, on the ground. Get back to work. Yeah, he very much was like a, a, like a war, like a, a war uh, guy come home and like, you got no feelings. This is how... You just got to live your life, do it, don't let people push you around type thing. And the movie is kind of about bullying and breaking out of being from being a bully and in the most fantastical way ever. And he's just like, suck it up. Oh, is that how you took the film? This is going to be interesting when we start talking I mean, about the writing and plot because that's I, I took a lot of different things here. But yeah, uh, this little kid, I looked into the kid. What's the name of the actor that plays the kid? Uh, Noah. No, that's um, the little kid is some kid that didn't do much after. From what yeah, he did tell. a few more films, like two two or three other films. Then he became a photographer. Yeah. Bastion is played by Barrett Oliver. Um, if I feel like the, almost this entire cast, there's maybe three or four um, you know, big name actors. Not I wouldn't say big name, but well established actors that are have done things before and went on to do other other films. Other than that, it, it's almost like this entire cast were just like, let's give this a shot. They put out a film and we're like, all right, we don't want to do this anymore. Although he did work with Wilford Brimley in Cocoon, so that's probably a career high. Yeah, then he got the diabetes. Uh, Wilford, not... Oh, hold on. Isn't that him? Yes, Wilford, yes. (laughs) Diabetes. But uh, this little kid played uh, a very aptly named character, Jimmy the Kid, on the television series The Incredible Hulk. Ah, makes sense. Makes sense why I don't remember him. Um, <laughs> so that means he's in for cons for the next forever. There you go. Uh, Atreyu, what did he go on to do? Um, well, he hopefully learned how to use his inside voice because damn. Right, bro. Yeah, let's get it. <laughs> what that, that was my one of my biggest things. I think about maybe 
the second or third time he had a major scene on the on on screen and it was like his 20th time screaming i thought like is this character do anything other than scream like what's the is this the it was this how the 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 director's like i need you to give me drama i need dramatics i need people to feel your anguish and he's like well i'll just scream yeah I just mean, scream inside voice what's that yeah um, uh he, he does he he took a long time off from nine from eighty six to ninety four and then from ninety four to twenty twelve and hasn't done much since twenty sixteen at least anything that's confirmed. Nah. Uh, he did do some relevant things such as one episode of Mork and Mindy. He was on Battlestar Galactica, the TV series from the seventies. There you go. So so he was doing little pieces here and there before he hit the uh, hit the big time. He hit the puberty. In this film. Um, the puppets, I mean, it's mostly voice acting, right? A lot of the puppetry is... is, is uh, it's all practical, too. To yeah, get a lot of practical effects. effects. But um, a lot of the voice acting, I mean, I think I, I read somewhere where it was like one dude did four or five of the different creatures, including Falcor. Yeah, yeah. And then that's part of the Screen Actors Guild. If you do six characters in a day... Uh, or is it six characters in total in a film? You have to get paid double rate. Oh wow! So you're, ba- but you're doing six different. You're basically it's like being an actor and playing six different characters and only being right. paid twice for two. You know, for oh, the work of two yeah. people. Uh, I guess yeah. So if you do six, it's either six or more or more than six. I because they're just like over. it's just your voice, dude. If you can't change up your voice, then uh, then you're not a voice actor. Yeah, exactly. But you only deserve the rate. You, you have to be able to do up to like five, and then we'll one more, and then we'll pay you like you did two two jobs. You know. Yeah, but at the same time, some voice actors stand, some sit, some yeah. like Mark Hamill will. If you've ever watched him do VOs, he will actually use his full body. Um, Michael Emerson, uh, who was on Lost and Person of Interest, he does the same thing. He is acting physically while he is just simply using his voice. When you were saying that, were you physically in the room moving around and acting? Could you tell? I could. W- was my lung capacity increased? There was something that was different. There was a different way in the way you delivered your, your voice, the words. There was certain punctuations that you could almost feel as a physical, there was a physicality behind it. So are you saying that I'm a better VO person than Christian Ingram, who has I, a sound I, booth in his house now? I'm not saying a word, uh, but you know what? That's the thing. People have a different way. Like when I record, I'm currently right now hunkered underneath the table. Um, I just have a laptop in front of me. That's my only light. Uh, and I'm hunched over and I'm holding a microphone with both hands uh, very tightly. And this is how I sit and record all my shows. All right, Quasimodo. But actors, bell, dude, they've got to be able to. Yeah, but these but but these actors do they've got to be able to emote uh, and do something with their voices and and a lot of them did pretty well in this film for me if you ask me but I feel like where this film was lacking was in a lot of the well there was man I got uh it sucks about talking about this film because you're already gonna get a feel for my thoughts on a lot of it but there was a lot in this this film like the acting was was one of the things that was hurting for me the um the princess at the end the empress oh my goodness. I think <sighs> I think Jake Lloyd did a better job as Anakin. <laughs> I think that's our water our low watermark. Man, this Empress. Um Boring. 
I, you know, I got to say, and this is going to just preface all of the, the, my different responses about these different uh, aspects of what we rate this film, the different categories. Uh, but I don't know that it was a good idea that I watched this again as an adult. Um, Unless you, know what you I watch mean? it because ironically. I guess because in my mind, it was it always held this kind of, oh, this is a great movie. This would definitely be a movie I'd keep with me on a deserted island. And now I'm realizing I probably would have killed myself. Um, there was... Let me ask you something. So obviously we know that what's the name of the what's his name? Deep Roy. He plays yeah. the uh the Oompa little teeny weeny man. Yeah. Uh, which is funny because later on he plays an Oompa, Oompa Loompa. Loompa. Uh, he plays all the Oompa Loompas in the, yeah. in the um, Charlie is it Charlie? Charlie in the Chocolate Factory. The Johnny yeah, Depp yeah. Johnny Depp in the Chocolate Factory. Basically. Uh but in this film, was it just me or were they doing was there voice those voiceovers, right? That wasn't his obviously that wasn't his voice when he was when he was talking. Oh, I met him. I met him at uh GalaxyCon Richmond uh, Raleigh last year, and that's his voice. But on the on this film, on Never Ending Story, it wasn't dubbed. There was no overdubbing because that feel, felt like a lot of overdubbing, dude. Go back and watch it again. It, it doesn't match up it, at all. It might have been re-recorded and they just oh. But yeah, I mean, I think the movie is try. It's one of those things where it ignores a lot of the obvious things because kids don't notice that. Right. It's definitely marketed strictly. I mean, it's definitely for kids, man. Definitely. It's a because you don't look at that. Yeah. It's a fantastical film, so I mean, adults are going to be like, "Well, this is." They're going to be overly critical of it. Yeah, and I guess kids kids lose themselves. You know, you lose yourself in the characters, and you're basically like the main a bastion, right? The kids watching the film are bastion. They mm-hmm. lose themselves in the story and become the story and become the characters. Uh, in that respect, I get it, but I feel like there was, you know, there this could this could be a good film to remake. And one of the things I looked in, into when I was reading up on this film was that they, there was going to be a chance they were going to remake it. They just couldn't agree on on the rights and, and things like that. So it's not going to be remade. But it could it could do well to be remade because it's a great story. The idea itself is really good. Uh, but the, there was a lot that left it to be desired with some of the acting in this film. I like the bookstore owner. What's the, what's the guy's? I can't remember his name now. You've got the cast with you? I do. I just don't know his Tell him name. Tell I said hi. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. He, Chris says hi, guys. They said, "Who's that?" Uh, but that, yeah, the, the guy who plays the bookstore owner. I think he did. A, he did. He did good. I liked him a lot. Um, you know who? Um, who he reminds me of? Uh, that was Thomas Hill, by the way. Um, Thomas Hill. Yeah, he reminds me of. Remember Scary Movie Two? Okay. The guy that's like, grab my hand, grab my small hand. <laughs> Chris Elliott. <laughs> yes. Reminds me of that guy. Dude, Chris Elliott's amazing. I love that dude. We have to do one of the scary. We've got to do the scary movies in October or something, man. I, I think Those we should great. just do them all at once. All at yeah. once. The big scare. We'll just discuss the entire franchise as a big super episode. Yeah. Um, anybody else in the actors that you want to discuss before we move on? Mm, maybe. Uh, no, we hit them all. Oh, yeah. There was one background actor that I noticed. Um, uh, it was the uh, the kitchen. <laughs> the kitchen in uh, Bastion's house on holy hell that's like your grandma's 1980 kitchen oh <laughs> dude yes i w- and that's the thing i know i couldn't stop looking at everything the the little jar of sanka coffee man uh there was um the, what was this what was did you notice the kid the block of butter in front of him did you see the size of that butter <sighs> it was the size of a brick Bro, it was the size of a legit brick that you use to build buildings with. A brick. A big just... 
block of butter sitting there. I was like, holy crap. Who gets giant blocks of butter like that anymore? Um, the 1980s? Germany, maybe? <laughs> but yeah, Amazon dude. wasn't a thing then? That was definitely grandma's kitchen. Like, legit. Yeah. Oh, man. Let, let me read you the cast that I wrote down here. Gerald McRaney, Deep Roy, your grandma's 1980s kitchen, uh, <laughs> and no one else. And the last one is no one else you've ever heard of. Basically, basically, That's... this movie holds such a memory in in many many of the like the ki- the the people of our generation. This is such a uh, uh, like a uh, you know a nostalgic piece of their lives. Yet none of these people do you remember? Just Major Dad. Major dead, and some of them uh, are. Then, some of them have died, by the way. But yes, like and, yeah. and the makeup and the prosthetics that they wore, like uh, Moses Gunn, the guy that played the princess's um, yeah. announcer guy, uh, he has since you know since died, nineteen ninety three, but he was in you know a ton of movies from the seventies, like I don't know Shaft. Perhaps you've heard of it. I may have heard of that film at some point. Yeah. Um, oh, here's an interesting name of a movie: Cornbread Earl and Me. What? <laughs> Wait, that's not good. <laughs> uh, it's, not good. It probably falls into the same same um, vertical as the Shaft movies. Yeah. Um, but you know, you get the idea. I mean, this, this yeah. guy has a, a long career spanning from '64 up until he died in '93. So. You know, there are, were people of the time, but because this movie is over 30 years old, I think that some of it is lost on even us who are of yeah. that age. That's true. That is true. Um, man, but I'll tell you, aside from the acting, the the writing itself, the, the story, like the plot, the writing isn't too bad. Um, but let's get into that. Let's get into the writing. So one of the things I saw was that, like you said at the top of this, the the episode, that this was based on a German book, The NeverEnding Story. And one of the things I read was that this whole movie is only like the first half of that book. It's not even the entire book. And that there was so much that was different from the book that the writer himself almost – he sued the, them to get them to stop filming or to change the name of the film because he didn't want it tied to his book, The NeverEnding Story. So, do you think uh, the, the 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 novelist Michael End or Michael Ende? I, I I don't know how it's pronounced, and he's German, but do you think that he that that name is a pseudonym for Alan Moore? <laughs> <laughs> yes, Alan Moore, very famous for for the exact same kinds of tantrums. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, man, he so. Apparently, Neverending Story 2 kind of picks up and follows along with what is on the second half of the book where, um, you know, the kid has all the Bastion has all these extra wishes and things that he's doing with his imagination. Uh, but for me, I always felt that the the idea behind this, the story behind it was a cool, clever idea, right? This idea that this kid's reading the story, he gets lost in this world uh, that he doesn't realize is that as he's lost in it, it's it's all playing out. He's a part of it. That and then, and at the end, you know, they need him to to be the one to be the savior to help the imagination continue. For me, I felt like there was a lot, a lot, a lot of threads in this film. That there was all kinds of commentary going on. Oh yeah. Um, like you said about the loss of the mother. Well, we, well, uh, the, so the dad, you know, basically telling this kid, "Don't live in a fantasy world." And 
So here he is living in a fantasy world, and it's almost like this is what he needs to heal. And I took a lot of what he was reading as the almost like the grieving process um, and a lot of these kind of things that you learn when you're dealing with the grieving process. Uh, when we let's talk about like one of the sadder parts of the film, which to me I, I forgot how fast it comes on. Like it's immediate. Like I, when it started, when uh, when Atreyu and his his uh, the horse, um, what was it? The horse's name Ad- Adrax or um, oh. Ad- oh man, I wish I could remember. I can't remember it off the top of my head right now. Uh, Ad- uh, Ar- Artax, Artax. Uh, when they're in the the uh, the swamp of sorrow, right? The the swamps of sorrow. And the idea is, is if you let the sorrow overtake you, the swamp will swallow you. You'll sink to the bottom, uh, basically into despair. And like, that's literally the metaphor of, of grief. Like you can't let it overtake you. You have to process it and deal with it so that you could come out the other side. Cause if you let it take you, you just sink into depression. You can't get out of that. kind. I mean, mm-hmm. it's hard to get out of that, you know? Yes. But so to talk to the writing, he was telling his horse to, you know, don't be so sad, Panda. However, he was super sad that he lost his horse. Why didn't the swamp swallow him, you know, or swallow the tree that was holding him? Yeah, I think the idea was because he was learned that he showed that you have to learn to face your sadness and and not just sink to it and fight on anyway. So that's why he didn't sink. So he was able to and I think that's the idea is Bastion learns that through Atreyu so that he can start to deal with his mother's death a little bit more effectively. Uh, and not just kind of go and, and hide off in the fantasy world, even though that's where he's learning this process. You know what I mean? The, and, oh, man, the either I, I'd have to read the book because I, I don't know if this matches up. But what a depressing film, dude. This movie was so freaking depressing straight through, straight through. It, it was definitely a dark movie. Um, I mean, and we hold it so dear. It's so crazy that it's such a different film when you're a kid, right? Well, here's why. I noticed as an adult, he goes into the attic of a of an elementary school. Which, uh, can I ask you, what elementary school has an attic that looks like, you know, Bruce Wayne's mansion, the attic of his mansion? Um, first of all, there were hanging skeletons in this, and there were animal heads. <laughs> there was a window that kept blowing open, but only when the book was being read. Yeah. So, and, and it was latched. That's the magic, though. Yeah. Yes, but you'd think that, I don't know. Yeah. The key to the attic was hidden where everyone could see. Not exactly. on the top of the door frame, but right beside it where the fire, you know, pool for fire. Was, had been broken was, out. Yeah. <laughs> like so, in case of emergency and you need to go to the attic, break the glass. Yeah, shoot the glass. Yeah, yeah. There was a lot to the, to be desired with the writing in certain sp- spots of this film, though. It, it Man. just... It made me like I had to pause it and and just so that I could stop laughing. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> oh man, yeah, I felt the same way. There were times where I was like, wait, is this for real? I go, it, I don't remember it being like this. That's what I kept telling myself. I don't remember it being like this. I remember it being much better. <laughs> Did you watch it with Aaron? No, well, she watched parts of it and she kept going, oof. Yeah, this doesn't hold up. <laughs> she, she had to walk out of the room. She did. She ended up taking the dogs for a walk. Smart. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, again, you know, the story itself, the idea behind this is is a nice fantasy story, and it follows all the fantasy kind of tropes where you have the hero who feels like he's undeserving, the kind of like you know the the wimpy kid who goes on this journey, but the journey he goes on is is almost it's vicarious. It's through this other character, but he still feels it. He still goes through the whole thing. Let me ask you something. Uh, without having looked it up, if you if that's what you did, did you? What's the name of his mother, dude? What's the kid's name? What's the mom's name? When he screams it out into the storm that you nobody can hear, which we were all invested in and knew we wanted him. He even makes a point to say my mother's name was the, a perfect name. It's a beautiful name. I wish they would ask me to name it right. And then the storm hits, and the sound design on this film it was killing me because mm-hmm. the storm hits, lightning crashes, and he screams the name, and I didn't hear a damn thing. Mm. Uh, I want to say it was Sarah, but I don't think that's right. Uh, just so you know, it's Moonbeam. Uh, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> it's Moonbeam. Oh, sure. So that's what it is in the book. Um, and everyone's, I mean, I don't, I didn't see it anywhere else what it was, uh, but that's what I saw. I found that it was the name, the mother's name in the book is Moonbeam. And I just, I don't know, man. It's, it's what was with the sound design in this? I don't mean to jump across to the next things oh, here, that's fine. but I don't, we, I, I think if we don't, we'll just continue to rip everything else apart. All right, let's writing. jump, let's jump into sound. So yeah, uh, the sound. What's what was we do podcasting, right? So we're kind of meticulous with certain sound, and and for listeners who have heard things that are under par, we apologize. Things happen, but at the end of the day, we do. We try to make sure we put out a good quality sound when we record our shows. So I'm watching this film, and there's certain times where I'm just like, did they have somebody on sound on this film? Seriously, did they? Yeah, I mean, to echo your point, we're limited by technology and by attention. Or lack of attention yeah. by some people. So um, if I'm over here clicking the click the keys, you might be able to hear it. Chris is in Buffalo, so we're over Skype. Yeah, peek behind the curtain, and so we don't have we're not in the same room to pick up on the same audio equipment. However, when you're in a movie, you have <laughs> hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars uh, of equipment that is yeah. owned by the studio that can replicate near anything. Yeah. You even have this thing in contract called ADR yeah. where somebody has to come back and record something. You try to match up the voice flaps and you know who's real good at it is people who do cartoons. Yeah. Uh, they can slow down the frames. They can speed them up to match your pentameter. But yeah, uh, sound design people, they're not special effects. They're just audio. And we've had audio from before the time that there was sound, there was video. Yeah. So you'd think that they would have perfected this stuff by now. Dude. There was that time when the bell rings and all the kids are leaving for the day. He comes down and you hear the din of the, you know, the children leaving, the the, the footsteps in the hall, the banging of a couple lockers. And then it gets quieter and quieter and then it gets quiet. And the did you pick up on the hiss that just the dead Uh air hiss was so loud? I looked at my I swear I looked at my wife. I said, do you hear that? I said, I could clean that up. Like that doesn't, I, what is going on here? Why is that happening? What's yeah, that, you, what is this? It's like someone took room sound so oh, they could take God. it out and they forgot. Yes. They totally and, forgot to take it out there. And you'd think that eventually 
they would wake up in the middle of the night and say, oh, crap, I forgot to take that out. And it could be 1994 when they figure that out. Uh, yeah, I was, I was going to say, dude, I don't even care when it was found out. But somebody, before you and I watching this and me recording this, when I said it, somebody has to have noticed it and had to have said, we need to fix that. Well, and here's here's the irony, okay? This came out April 6, 1984 <laughs> in West Germany, July 20, 1984 in the United States. And the distributor? Warner Brothers. Oh no. They could have done that. Oh, that's they could killer, have fixed dude. it. Even though they weren't the original owner of the film, they could have been like, hey, Constantine Constantine Films of West Germany. Yeah. We're yeah. gonna do you a solid because we want to make more money on this. Yeah, yeah. We or they just got it and was like, Yeah, this is a piece of shit, put it out there, and then realized like every kid in America was gonna go, Yes, but, I want a Falcor. I want this. Um, sound was, yeah, the sound design itself left a lot to, to be desired. Um, there was a scene at the very beginning when the, the, the rock, uh, the rock man, the rock Dwayne monster. Johnson? Yeah. Oh. He was, he was tearing through, he was riding okay, his hold rock. On, hold bike. on, time out, time out. <laughs> Remake with the rock as that guy. I'm in. <laughs> yes. Yes. And he's driving the big rock motorcycle. Um, but the way it's like crashing the trees down, it was, it was kind of off putting it. The sound felt very very tinny very trebly um and then the other okay let's talk about the other piece of sound and soundtrack sound sound you know background music whatever the case the the song itself dude it's in your head now once you hear the never-ending story sound the theme you're done do yourself a favor and go listen to the newfound glory version it's what about three times faster oh it's so good though it's so much better and and as an adult, I heard that version, and then I remembered this movie, and I'm like, <laughs> wait a minute. It's so much different. Yeah. And so much better than the original. It's uh, If you're an adult listening to this because you wanted to listen to a show where we were discussing a movie from your past, it was a nostalgia thing. Do yourself a favor and stop. Well, we've already you know ripped a lot of it up, but don't watch it again, please. You're you're gonna be where we are. I mean, um, I will watch it ironically, so that yeah. other people, you know, I yeah. will, we might want to just do commentary over this one of these days. Oh yes, when we release our Patreon page, there's definitely gonna be ones we do commentary on. This is gonna be one of them because there's a lot to say throughout this film. Um, I don't, I didn't find that there was much more of a soundtrack aside from them playing the score that mimicked a lot of the basically the the you know the instrumental of the theme and like a variation of it. There wasn't much mm-hmm. going on with with soundtrack. There was no other real songs on it. Do you think? Um, and so hear me out because this is a <laughs> West German film, and it might have been before this might have come out beforehand but i think if they were to remake this i think this movie would benefit from two things three two we've covered the rock as the rock monster obviously uh the newfound glory cover yep uh and i think somewhere in there where there is you know impending doom 99 luff balloons needs to play yes if it doesn't then the, the movie is a failure I mean, it's it's so meta. It's not even funny at that point because Nina it's, is German. It's literally writing itself right now. I mean, sign <laughs> me up. Warner Brothers, we're here. Throw cash at it. Yeah. Oh, man. Let's move into special effects. Woo. Yeah. Well, 
yeah, you said. <laughs> I mean, it's a nice. That was it. That was it. No, that's all you had to say, and that was it. That's all we're saying for special effects. Next. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, it's a 1984 film. I get that. Computers yeah. were not. It, you couldn't put up computer in your pocket, bro. I've what year? Pe- what year did did, did uh, ET come out? 84 or 85? Yeah, but that was an American produced Steven oh. Spiel, Spielberg. Oh. It had. You're right. You're right. You're you know, right. it had. Lucas behind it, okay. Yeah, you're right. ILM, a little different than some no-name shop with a no-name writer director. Talking about a no-name book, a book nobody had heard of yet. At at least in the states, so right, yeah. And there's no Hollywood in West Germany, as far as I'm aware. Yeah, who knows? There could be, but you know, it's it's not. That's like apples to cranberries. Yeah, I got to say, you know, I did appreciate, though, the old school. Like, I do love practical. Like, when, when I said the puppetry, I do like it because I can still suspend belief and and enjoy it to an extent. But then there's other people. When other things start to really show to be very glaring, uh, it starts to tear that away. Like like you said, so we can watch Star Wars, which was done in the 70s, uh, using puppetry and practical effects. and And Rick Baker. And and suspend enough belief to where when you do see certain flaws, it's okay because overall the product still comes across very well done. This one, you know, I started to appreciate certain things like, oh, okay, I forgot about how like pup, how the puppetry looks in this, like the rock monster himself. You know what I mean? I think part of it too is that it's horribly underlit to hide any flaws or imperfections. Yes, I, yes. I think that's the big thing. It's uh, it was um. There's definitely a lot in this film where I was just like, oof, um, you know, and, and then there's parts where it's like, I, that's pretty cool. I like that. I do like the whole smoky kind of cloud effect that they had for the nothing. I like that. You know, it just looks like, you know, a storm front coming in, but it still looked cool. I liked it. Um, but man, there was, uh, I don't know. The don't green know, screen. Oh, you could tell everything that was green screen. You knew immediately, immediately. Yeah. Now there were some like so, not to completely take us, you know, take tear apart the rock monsters and and all that. The perspective that they gave the, yeah. with the practical camera angles was was smart because they were they were limited by technology. So they have upward angles, and they didn't ever put Deep Roy as Teeny Weeny, uh, clever, haha. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, they they didn't put him exactly in the same frame as the rock monster so they could do that upward pr- uh, perspective right from from his point of view at the rock monster and a downward perspective or at an angle to teeny weeny to show that he was in fact you know teeny smaller you know and and the use of you know to call back to my other podcast the with the with the gaichu and and uh, you know uh, the the toku oh, stuff yeah, all those yeah. guys it's it's laughable the buildings they're made out of paper half the time but <laughs> yeah they're, they're 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 giant supposed to be giant robots fighting in a city that's smaller than they are which is still laughable yeah. but they their use of miniatures no different than godzilla movies as well yeah you know i mean some are leave a little bit more to be desired than others yeah. but you know, it's it's that perspective that is just camera trickery, which is, you know, if there's a positive good on them for that. Yeah, there was a, one of the things I saw was that a lot of this was aside from the the outside shots in the streets, aside from the school shot and in the attic, uh, a lot of this was or the beach. The beach itself also was was 
off off site. But other than that, everything was filmed on an actual set, a studio set, a lot. Um, and so, so when you think of that, a lot of the special effects that were incorporated maybe in the set design, I thought was actually pretty well done. Like when you have a lot of the swamps, you know, knowing that that's actually inside a, a studio, you know, that's actually a pretty cool thing. Um, yeah, I, I, oh, I still love the image of Atreyu standing in the tree and the big turtle head just kind of looking at him, that wide shot, you know what I mean? So you could see the size of this turtle and just this little kid standing in the tree. Um, so there was a lot of it that did still look cool, but that overall, pissed me off. <laughs> overall, yeah, it was, it was rough, dude. This was a rough, a rough film. I, man, I kept thinking as I kept watching it, I'm like, I feel like all I'm going to keep saying is I wish I didn't watch this as an adult. <laughs> it's going to get better. I promise it's going to get better. <laughs> I wish I hadn't watched it. Oh man. Um, so while I was watching this, and, and and I don't think we have anything else to say about the effects. Nah, Do nah. We? Let's get okay. into the scenes, quotes, our, our our memorable things about watching it. Yeah. So, um, and and let's tag on memes to this too. This, yeah. This section, <laughs> because when I was watching it, I'm sure you could tell when I was watching it. I just sent you a couple memes. And the, <laughs> I, I, I start to search for the title of the movie and meme after it. And there weren't really many good ones, uh, but I will, uh, and, and not to get political, but uh, because we are anything but politics on this show, uh, even movie politics. Yeah. But I did send you two. Uh, there was uh, one where it said, it had the, at the top, it said uh, our tax and it showed a tray you trying to pull him out of the, uh, the sad panda swamp. <laughs> and the one below it, uh, had a picture of Donald Trump at a podium and said, I prefer horses that don't sink. Oh God. Yeah. That was the worst. And, yeah. and the other one was just a dog that was jumping over a puddle. It said the never ending story, the early years. That's the worst. <laughs> and uh, yeah, those, those just made me chuckle, but sadly I couldn't find anything else that was of any merit and um, quotes either. Yeah. I got to tell you, um, as I was watching the film, I kept thinking, you know what a lot of this film really is? If you take out a lot of flying, riding horses, and running through stuff, um, you have a, a, probably about an hour film. You know what I mean? It's an hour and a half. About It's 97, 96 minutes, something like that. Uh, but you, it, it's it's a lot of wasted time. And I get you have to give that that impression that there's a lot of traveling happening. Um, but you could easily do the whole, you know... 12 hours later come across the screen or something you know just to kind of push us ahead instead of showing you know this kind of montage of him just riding a horse through different pieces of terrain um yeah that and just the overuse of the green screen with the wind machine and the dog it's like yeah i mean everybody remembers falcor from this movie yeah there was the scene at the end when he loses him in the in the ocean or whatever that was the mm -hmm. lake thing when that it was that was super weird it was way overdone they just kept repeating the same Mm -hmm. kind of close-up of falcor's face and his head and then like it's spinning it was this i don't know man I was just like, okay, this is nuts. I think for if it was going to be any memorable scene, it's always going to be Artax, the death of Artax, because that was such an imprint as a kid. It was like so devastating. And even watching it as an adult, I was like, man, this is tough. Like, how did we make kids watch this back in the day? Like, how did parents sit back and watch this go down and be okay with their kid just, you know, 
getting their heart ripped out watching a horse die. Parents were tougher at the time. <laughs> oh, yeah, right? They, they, they made kids tougher. They're like, deal with it, kid. That's life. Um, but, yeah, it's rough, man. Aside from, you know, certain certain oh you know what there was one i always liked the it was still sad it was very depressing but uh it was when the rock monster the rock guy was saying his that thing about his hands you know these look like strong hands don't they um that for me is kind of memorable but again overall this movie was kind of like oh wow yeah now here's another question um and surprise chris this is another category of question uh <laughs> What would you would you buy a six inch Falcor pop with a Treyu on top of him, a two inch Treyu, or or just a Treyu's head on the on this pop, like a pop vehicle? Yeah, um, probably not. What if it was a chased flocked version? Probably not. Okay, I'm very yeah, I'm very uh, particular now in my pops. I don't grab them just for oh because this was from that or this and that. Now I'm starting to really just get ones I really, really, really you know have something that I really like in, about it. Uh, and I think if you'd asked me before I had watched this again as an adult, I would have told you all day yes, not a joke. I would have gotten that Funko Pop right away and i'd have been like what are you talking about man this is falcor and atreyu man of course i'm gonna have this shit it's the it's what it's about man this is the truth and then you would have made me watch never ending story and i'd have put that shit up on ebay for like a dollar <laughs> yeah it's um the chase one for a dollar <laughs> yeah it's it goes the way of uh, i don't know the knight rider one yeah so um dude how are you gonna rate this man where are you going with this um see it's tough because on one hand i want to rate it nostalgically from what i remember because as we know memory isn't perfect right right um but on the other hand i want to rate it as analyzing as i had analyzed it while i watched it which is also not a perfect science (laughs) um i watched this about two weeks ago and i let it sit just in my in my brain for a while and uh, I'm going to go with an, I'm, I would watch this again, ironically, or to provide commentary for somebody to provide commentary or, uh, for you and me, uh, or <sighs> to, with somebody who has never seen it just to see how they react to this movie. Um, I think I would give this movie, uh, two out of five luck dragons. Oh, you were a little more generous. I agree with you on everything else you said. The way I'd watch that is in those scenarios. But man, I again, this was one of those things where I feel like I went back to my childhood. I took a time machine back and I went back and then I watched somebody beat the crap out of my puppy. And I couldn't do anything about it. And I just thought to myself, why did I do that? I liked the memory of having a nice puppy that was amazing. And now I went back and watched somebody rip it to shreds. Um, Yeah, dude, it hurts. It hurts to have watched it again. This one for me is about, it's only a one luck dragon, bro. (laughs) One luck dragon, which means that there was no way I would probably put this on my DVD shelf nowadays. You know, I'd keep it as a digital file somewhere so that I could access it for review purposes, but to take up space on my DVD shelf, probably not happening. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna echo those same statements. It's uh, it's nah. Uh, I wouldn't keep it uh, around 
<sighs> it sucks, man. But hey, not all of them are going to be winners when we watch them on this show. Hopefully, next week's will. Uh, next week, we're going to be doing my autobiography. My <laughs> Your autobiography. One of my favorite films of all time. And I'll tell you, um, and I can tell you this for sure that I do, I do enjoy watching this still. So I know I'll be able to. It's, I'm not going to come back and say, "Man, I wish I hadn't watched it." But we will be checking out Shaun of the Dead. So, what's the plan? Right. We take Pete's car. We drive over to Mum's. We go in. We take care of Philip. I'm so sorry, Philip. Then we grab Mum. We go over to Liz's place. Pull up. Have a cup of tea and wait for all this to blow over. Why have we got to go to Liz's? Because we do. She dumped you. I have to know if she's all right. Why? Because I love her. All right, gay. I'm not staying there, though. Why not? If we hole up, I want to be somewhere familiar, I want to know where the exits are, and I want to be allowed to smoke. OK. Take Pete's car, go round Mum's, go in, deal with Philip. Sorry, Philip. Grab Mum, go to Liz's, pick her up, bring her back here, have a cup of tea, and wait for all this to blow over. Perfect. No, 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 wait, we can't bring her back here. Why not? Well, it's not exactly safe, is it? Mm, yeah. The state of it. Where's safe? Where's familiar? Where can I smoke? Take car, go to Mum's, kill Phil. Sorry. Grab Liz, go to the Winchester, have a nice cold pint, and wait for all this to blow over. How's that for a slice of fried gold? Yeah, boy! that you stay in your homes, make no attempt to reach loved ones, and avoid all physical contact with the assailants. Do you believe everything you hear on TV? There you go. So uh, once again, thanks so much for listening to Silence Your Phones. That was Sean Fritz. I'm Chris Chavez. And once again, it is now safe to unsilence your phones.